Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. L-A-S-I-K LASIK.com Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K LASIK.com Welcome to Walkers and Talkers, episode 205. Hi, Jamie. Woo! 205, here we go. Nice. Uh, I'm David Brody from Elvis Trend in the Morning Show. That is Jamie from Light FM <laughs> in New York. Yes. I paused because I had to think about whether or not I wanted to mention you guys are playing Christmas music round the clock. Uh, almost. <laughs> almost? Not, not full time? Not yet. We haven't started yet. Oh, I thought you switched this week. No, not yet. Oh, some other it's stations a, around the country have switched. Yeah, not So you're yet. not rocking around the Christmas tree yet. We are not rocking around the tree yet. Okay, so this is <laughs> okay, so back to there's no reason to listen to Light FM other than other than <laughs> oh, the morning show and Jamie and Cubby and Christine because they yes. when when the Elvis Tran show is on vacation. Cuz I, you know, I, I love you guys, but I got I got kids to feed. You don't have kids. I I, I know I have two roommates and a and a dog. <laughs> That's right. Uh or two Roommates who are dogs or their dogs um, of a roommate? Yeah, it's more that way, actually. All right, hopefully they don't listen. <laughs> All right, well, so we, we took off last week because Jamie said, screw those people, I'm not doing it. No, I did. I, it's for the people. <laughs> I didn't say those things. No, she did not. <laughs> I didn't. Did not. So I promised some people on, on social media who wanted free dessert, I would give them an extra thick episode today. You okay with extra thick, Jamie? Extra thick. Extra whipped cream. Oh, oh, oh boy. <laughs> All right. You, well, you said free dessert. It's a whole other podcast we're doing. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about Lauren Ridloff. Uh, she was uh, away from The Walking Dead for quite a while. She was filming The Eternals, Marvel's latest movie, which critics have said is not great, and audiences have said it is great. That's as what an I've heard. audience member, 
I thought it was fantastic. I loved it. Oh, yay. Lauren Ridloff is great in the movie. She uses sign language, as do the other members of the movie who, who uh, interact with her, and there are subtitles when she signs. And I thought the movie was great. So it's fun, it's exciting, and there are two mid credit scenes. I, you know what, Jamie? I went opening night. Well, I went opening weekend, so it opened on Thursday, I went Friday. Yeah. I tweet this every time. I don't get it. Why would you go see a Marvel movie on opening night, opening weekend, and then not know that there are bonus scenes to stay for? I hardly watch these movies, and I know from you to stay for the it's bonus so scenes. It's so like, why? Let's go to a Marvel movie, but then and people were booing, like they're going, "Where are you going?" And they're <gasps> oh looking like, God. "What? What are you to what? Who? What? what?" They had no clue. Oh boy! But then Rookies. there were people that got up after the first bonus scene, and then other people were saying, "Hey, there's two bonus scenes. Sit down." First of all, when the credits are going, you don't leave. You have to expect at least one scene, and then it's very easy to Google how many bonus scenes are there in the movie. There's two. All right. Speaking of Lauren Ridloff, she said in a recent interview that Norman Reedus is the reason she sent an audition tape into The Walking Dead. Did you know that, Jamie? Oh, I did not, but I don't blame her. She's got good taste. She said, I love the show, but really what I think I like most about the series in the beginning was Norman, his character, Daryl. I mean, come on. But as I watched, I really love how they represent the real world and the diversity. It's there and it's a part of the story, but it's not pushing it. It's not driving the story. It's not the point of the story. The point is about a group of people trying to survive and also trying to rediscover what it means to be human. I love that. She also said, I think that's why the series has been so successful and has impacted so many people throughout the world because everyone has someone to connect with in the series and because Daryl. Oh, I knew I loved her. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Daryl, Jamie, you have some Daryl news for us, which uh, I am. I, I saw it on Instagram and I was blown away. Uh, me too. So the headline is Daryl Dixon was going to have his arm cut off by blank. So you can see the photos from Norman's social media posts and Gimbel's retweet and reply confirming a different story for Daryl. This is crazy. Are you ready? The pitch was for Daryl to have his arm chopped off by Rick Grimes for no. popping Negan in the face. Wow. So when he caused Glenn's death, spoiler. Yes. When Rick Rosita was so mad he cut Daryl. Okay, so now the, so they don't really get into, into detail. So they don't. WWW Big Bald Head. That's yes. his that's his Twitter. That's not me adding W's like an old person. Yeah, no, that's, 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 no, that's his Instagram. WWW Big Bald Head, right. He says Little, a uh, little behind-the-scenes fact: Daryl was originally, possibly, maybe, getting his arm cut off by Rick for one word, popping Negan in the face. <laughs> I love that popping Negan in the face. <laughs> now, what I don't know is, remember, Rick almost cut his son's arm off. Oh my God, I was sweating to death. Right? Yes, yes. <laughs> so, would the scene have been like Carl not have been in the scene and Rick holding down Daryl, and then deliberately cutting his arm off because Negan told him to do it? Or he punished Daryl for punching him. And you know what's funny? In the picture, it's clearly Daryl's left arm, right? Because you wouldn't want the actor to have to struggle with his dominant arm being in a no, metal no, thing. No, no, no. Yeah. Isn't Aaron's left arm the one that was cut off? Well, I'm going to look up a picture real quick. No, it's his left arm. Okay, I was all right. I thought so. Yeah, because you don't want to cut off the dominant arm, even though you want to have realism. You don't want to have the actor struggling with his arm cut off. But in the comics, Rick had his right hand cut off. Yes, if he I did. Correctly, yes. I remember that because it's because you can make the cartoon, the comic book character, do whatever you want. <laughs> so yeah, so there's a picture of of um, Daryl with a metal lower arm, 
And again, I you know, his fingers would move and it would just really be his arm in a glove, but they would make it like his arm was cut off. So they don't really tell you what the rest of the story is. They just say he might have might have gotten his arm cut off in one of the original storylines. Then you have to wonder, would Rick and Daryl have been friends after that? Uh, probably not. Yeah. And would Maggie have more blamed Daryl for Glenn's death? Because Mm. Rick thought so. Yeah, that would have been bad. It would have been bad. Speaking of Negan, everything's a segue today. (laughs) Jeffrey Dean Morgan donated a signed Lucille for a wounded veterans auction. Oh. The auction supports Home for Our Troops, the fifth annual Veterans Day celebrity auction. The auction page shows photos of Jeffrey Dean signing the barbed wire bat and writing his name Negan on it as well. The auction items are live right now, as we're taping this on the 9th, through November 14th. There's over 130 items up for auction, with proceeds going to build homes for post-9-11 veterans. That's very cool of him. uh, Mark Hamill stuff and some sports stuff. It's a long list. I'm not going to read them all. However, uh, there's two ways to get to the auction. The first is on eBay. Search for Home for Our Troops. The, the long version is, you don't have to write this down, but it's like ebay.com, it doesn't matter. Home for our, our troops. Or you can go to, I'm going to explain what it spells so you can easily remember it. H-F-O-T-U-S-A.org. That's home for our troops. H-F-O-T-U-S-A.org. And there's probably a link there for the eBay page. That'll probably be easier for you. And that's it for the news because we have a lot to go over. Oh, because we do. We are we were behind on World Beyond. I'm going to catch us up a little bit, which is going to then leave us one episode behind, because we're a couple episodes behind. Episode seven is already out. We're going to do five and six, maybe, kind of wrap to get you caught up, wrap those wrap up quickly, up. and then we're going to do Fear the Walking Dead from last week and this week, Ooh. giving you super thick, <laughs> and no Talking Dead because Chris Hardwick is still on. Hiatus. Yes, he is. And a reminder, when you tweet me and Walkers, tweet the talking Jamie, please. Yes, please. Jamie likes, despite the fact that she didn't do an episode last week because she hates all of you, she likes <laughs> hey. when you tweet it. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I like the tweets. All right. So we're all beyond episode five. It's Quatevois. 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 I don't know. It's like au revoir. It's quote de Macron. Macron. Uh, <laughs> Will, Felix, Percy, Elton, and Iris are on a mission. They all kill a bunch of walkers. And I think the whole point of that scene was to show that Elton and Iris can now kill walkers. And they've got signature weapons, which I said was the problem with fear originally. These guys are smart. They've already got big hooks on sticks. And, uh, and they're, killing, they're killing the walkers. So they're not as nauseatingly, ridiculously unprepared as they were They're not as season. wimpy. Yeah. yeah. So they're going to the junkyard place where Cyrus, where Silas is, you know, the Walker killing place. Yep. Now that place is a giant like junkyard place, right? Like, it's uh, like a it, decon- decontamination junkyard. Right. But it's a large pit. four-sided place that none of them have ever been to. No. As they creep up to the side, one of the four sides at the exact spot on this giant facility, Silas comes out with a couple of the guys How who convenient. then leave him outside the fence by, clear, by himself. By himself. Go clear some walkers. It has to be, let's say, a football field on each side. Yep. So four football field size walls. Oh my God. And he walks out where they are in the woods. Where they're standing. 99.87 <laughs> bullshit. 
Bullshit. It has to be. When he sees Iris come out of the woods, th- this was a th- this was a thing that was going on through the whole episode. They played dramatic soap opera music throughout the whole episode. It was like <laughs> it doesn't feel like a horror show. It feels like a soap opera, which I the, like, really it was really annoying. I hope nobody else. I wonder if anyone else, if you guys heard that too and thought the same thing. It was very dramatic, like. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> so they tell Cyrus that everyone back home is dead. And that Iris says she thinks it was genocide by by CRM. I think Silas is in total shock. He's like, uh. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? I'm gonna, huh? Yeah. He just stood there. I'm like, hello. Say something. They tell him the only way in is through a facility that uh, Dennis has a key card for. They want Silas to steal that card, then steal a truck, then drive them to CRM so that they can run through CRM and run to Portland so they can warn the people in the Portland community My God. that they may get wiped out. We find out that Dennis and Jennifer are they're married. married. They're married. Apocalypse married. You know, when you say you're married, you exchange rings. Yep. <laughs> Felix and Iris have a plan. They want to get captured. And they ask Indira to pretend they, that she caught them so they can get taken to the CRM. That's going to be their way in to have them arrested. That's pretty smart. They put him in a wagon, and then Percy follows the wagon, even though he wasn't supposed to go. He's an idiot. He's an idiot. And he says, please, you got to take me. I'm a pickpocket. I, I can pick door locks. And he, for some reason, he's wearing Elton's clothing, the Tuffy Stitch. Yeah, that was weird. Yep. That's his disguise. He's going to pretend he's Elton. Yep. So they tell Percy, get out of here. We're not taking you. And of course, before Percy can leave, the guards from CRM show up. And, and right on them. time. Elizabeth has the four of them in a big detention center. And she thinks something's wrong. She's suspicious about something. She doesn't realize that Percy is, you know, Percy's Elton Elton's Percy. She never met Percy living at the, you know, the 10, well, it was 10,000 people living at Campus Colony. So she didn't know everybody. Meanwhile, Jennifer Hawk is going through mom's drawers in, in her office looking for evidence of wrongdoing. She opens the safe. She figures out it's her father's birthday. And she comes across documentation that upset her. We find out later it's, documentation of all the uh, people they've been experimenting on, right? That they killed. Yep. They bring Dr. Bennett and Hope in to see the prisoners and Hope was smart enough not to yell, hey, Percy, because that was, that was Elton. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. You're right. Somehow she knew, I don't know how she knew, but she didn't, you know, I mean, not that she was friends with Percy, but the last she knew Percy was, I, I don't know if she remembers, I don't remember the timeline, but at some point they all thought Percy was a killer. Yeah, they did. So I guess she realizes Percy's not a killer. And that Huck was the killer? She just went with it because she recognized Elton's clothes, I'm sure. Yeah. So Silas gets the truck and the key and some official ID from Dennis and he drives off in the truck. Okay. Jennifer has lunch with her mom. Elizabeth tells her she hopes when she has children someday she's tough enough to do the things that need to be done to keep the world moving forward and to keep her safe. Blah, 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 blah. She gives her that speech like, please, you have to remember whatever I've done, I've done for the world. Okay, you're a murderer. Yep, you're a bad lady. Felix and the daughters try to get Dr. Bennett in on the plan to leave at 2. They're going to escape and go to Portland uh, by foot. They're going to walk to Portland. That seems like a good move. Yeah. Not sure why they all want to leave when they're all together now as a family and they're in a safe place. I understand they want to protect Portland, but you got it good here, you know? And they're all together. They're all together, which was the first time in the the show that they were all together because they started off separated. If you remember correctly, Dr. Bennett was already there. Yes, he was. 
Hope agrees that she'll leave, and then Dr. Bennett, their dad, says, okay, I just need to say goodbye to Layla, which, you know, we know she's hardcore. Uh, that's probably not the, the best move. And then, of course, there's dramatic soap opera music. <laughs> Elton and Asha, the sister, have a long talk, and she confesses that her mom is the one that's sick, and that's going to come up in the next episode. That's important. Yeah. They say goodbye. This is what I, okay, so I wrote this a week ago when we were going to do an episode last week. Yeah. It's foreshadowing because I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, well, it sort of spoils what happens the next episode, but I'm going to tell you anyway. So I wrote Elton and Asha have a, a long walk. She confesses and then they say goodbye to each other as if they're never going to see each other again. And I wrote, but you know, they're going to see each other again, probably after her brother dies. Oh my God. You wrote that. <gasps> Spoiler. Her Spoiler. brother doesn't end up well in the next episode, Ooh, but you're you listening to this good. podcast. So yeah. So that's what I wrote. Uh, before dad can go into the uh, teacher's lounge to tell Layla, Je- uh, Jennifer, Hawk, whatever you want to call her, stops him and says, it's a matter of life and death. You need to come talk to me. And she shows him the papers she stole from her mother's office. She says, and by the way, her mother's not going to notice all these papers are missing from her safe. I know, right? She says it's proof they brought walkers into communities and some of the people are being used as test subjects and she needs to help him stop it. There's evidence that they let the, remember they let the walkers in? Yep. Oh, yeah. But that was a cover because they wanted either the live people to, to up to test on or they wanted a lot of them to be bitten so they could test on them. God. Either way, it's really bad right. news. More dramatic music. <laughs> Key soap opera music. Right. Silas gets captured by CRM guards while he's waiting for them to come running out. Good Lord. He got they surrounded. Ran, well, they ran late because they're having this meeting about the paperwork. And she did say, if we're not there by two, skidat, get out. Right, but at 10 minutes to two, he got arrested. So it didn't really matter. Oh, that is true. You're right. They have a bonus scene, much like Marvel movies. <laughs> Layla gets a new test subject. It's a 24-year-old CRM soldier, mm. and she's not happy about it. Now, if you remember who this guy is, he's the soldier that last season told Elizabeth he didn't approve of her methods in Elizabeth's apartment. And she had him escorted out. Yep. That's him now being sacrificed for this, uh, this testing. Rut-row. Rut-row. <laughs> a guard comes in to tell Layla that Elizabeth has left the CRM for an undisclosed amount of time. And until her return, she answers to her. And it's Jadis. Hell yes, it is. So Jadis, I, I got chills. Jadis is now, she's a big shot. She's in charge. She out of nowhere. Now, keep in mind, she's been there six years. Yes. The helicopter thing was six years ago. And by the way, speaking of helicopter things, I'm still predicting there's a crossover with the helicopters. But they, I would think so. But Fear the Walking Dead, and we'll talk about it later, really like glossed over the whole helicopter ride thing. Uh, really, yeah, they really pissed seriously, me off. it was a light gloss too. Yeah. So we'll talk about that later. World Beyond, Who Are You, Episode 6. Okay, we're moving now. We're, we're, we're rolling. Moving on up. Thank you, Jeffersons. <laughs> Dr. Bennett decides to have dinner with Leela. Uh, by the way, I'm, I'm going par- to shorten the description of this episode, but I'm going to try to hit all the main points. Okay, so we'll, okay. we'll move it along a little bit. Okay. Dr. Bennett says he decides he should have dinner with Layla and his daughters so he can distract her while Felix and Huck break into her lab. Then Felix and Huck realize that the, that the stuff they're looking for, anything top secret, is probably not in the lab. So they do a search for where else she's used her key card, and it's a lab in the basement. That no one ever goes there, she says. Right. During dinner, Iris goes off on Layla for her previous job working uh, 
for an infectious disease company because she tested on animals, mostly rats, I guess. Yeah. And she said, I didn't have a choice. Uh, we had to do testing because testing on some mice and rats or whatever could save millions of lives. And Iris got indignant and kept attacking her like, you had a choice. You had a choice. And uh, at some point, the father was like, you know, uh, let's let's lighten up here. All right? Let's uh, hope get her out of here. So Layla is so disturbed by this. She breaks down and confesses to Dr. Bennett that the reason she's so dedicated to her work is that her kids were killed by walkers. Her daughter was bitten. And at one point, her uh, was it kids or kid? But what, she had a daughter. Her daughter was uh, bitten by the neighbor who turned. Right. And then okay. She got super sick overnight. And she was, and so the father decided it was a good idea, not knowing better, oh. to sleep in the bed with his own daughter. Oh, which, by the way, God. don't do that. Don't. Anyway, when the mom, I guess the mom was in her own room, when she woke up and opened the door, the daughter had eaten the father. Yep, he was dead on the floor, and she was. Turned. And so and as then she he she turned. killed both of them. She oh, put them both God. down. Yeah. So she said, I can't save them, but I've dedicated my life to finding a cure no matter what to save the rest of the world, no matter what the cost, which I guess is why she's killing humans. I guess the humans are her mice. Like, you got to do what you got to do. Big mice. Huck is now definitely on the side of the good guys. Jadis runs into her in the hallway and they catch up. And we find out that Jadis's last name is Stokes. She's kind of really scary and intimidating in this she conversation. Is. Now, does the name <laughs> Stokes remind you of anything? It's the last name of her old boyfriend, Father Gabriel Stokes. Mind blown. Mike what? Drop. Mike what? Drop. She took what? the last name from Father Gabriel as a way to remember him and to remind herself she doesn't want a boyfriend again. O-M-G. That's what uh, Pollyanna McIntosh said in the recent interview. <laughs> so how about that? She's not Jadis and she's not Stokes. But as far as the CRM is concerned, she's Stokes. Because she's been there for six years as Jadis Stokes. Woo! She said she wants to go by Jadis because that's the name of the person she had to become to survive. Yeah, that's who she is now. Very awkward conversation with Huck where she implies she's looking for spies and she's in charge while Elizabeth is gone. And she keeps implying that Huck might be up to no good. And uh, she's like, but you'd never be that way, right? You're still hardcore. And she says, I broke my arm and cut my face. You know I'm hardcore. And so she says, well, you know, well, let's have lunch. Yeah, let's, let's, let's have lunch. Have Ladies who lunch. Let's talk about it. Huck helps Felix break into Lila's secret storage room in the basement by cutting the generator, which gives him two minutes to get in there. So Huck helps Felix break into Layla's secret storage room in the basement, which is like cold storage. So there's frozen walkers and frozen test tubes. And uh, he grabs a test tube, which we're going to find out later from what I've read. I don't know anything about it yet because I'm a little behind. It's very important. Yes. It's a very important thing that people get very upset that it's missing. So, of course, he doesn't get out in time, and he's locked in there for a while, and he thinks Huck betrayed him, and he's not. she's not answering on the walkie-talkie. I thought he was going to die in there for a hot minute. He was freezing. He was freezing to death. I'm like, oh, my God, he's getting frostbite. But eventually, Huck shows up and explains yeah. what happened. The door's closed too early. Uh, I was on the run. I couldn't call you. Blah, 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 blah. So, Huck goes to have lunch with Jadis, where, again, she's acting like she doesn't trust Huck, but confides in her that... If you want to get people to trust you and bond quickly, create your own language that will give them something in common and make, up, them, up, up. F- and make them feel like they are in an exclusive club. So thank God for this show because it explains where all that bullshit language came from. Yes. From the junkyard right? people. Thank God. 
She said, I earned my way back to CRM because I gave them something very valuable six years ago, meaning Rick. Rick but we don't know why Rick people. is particularly valuable, just that he is. Mm-hmm. In a recent interview, Pollyanna McIntosh says, so I think you can take it your own way and imagine what you would want Rick to have gone through or done or reacted or however in this world that Jadis is talking about. But I like that they put in that line about him being very, very valuable because Jadis did care about Rick and respected the hell out of him and appreciated what he'd done for her. So yeah, when she says valuable, she doesn't just mean to CRM. She also means valuable to her. Yes. Very mm-hmm. interesting. Cyrus is still being held by guards because they're like, where's Cyrus? They don't know where he is. He was trespassing and he claims he was lost. Iris wants to burn down CRM and Hope says, look, they're doing good work here and there are a lot of great scientists and young people working here that deserve a chance to succeed. And Dira and her people don't want them to burn down CRM because they have peace right now. They know it'll start a war they aren't prepared for. And we already know Indira needs the medicine from them and if they burn the place down, she won't have medicine, she'll die. She'll die. So Will says he's going to break into CRM with Dev, the brother, and they are going to tell them that they need the medicine. He said, I'll make sure whatever happens, you get your medicine. But I have to warn them about that because they need to know that before they do whatever they're going to do. Exactly. So they're heading off to CRM. They're outside the area. And Will says, here, you, you should take my father's gun. You should have it. This was his gun before he died. Uh, I guess the plan was that Dev escorted him to CRM and was going to leave. Yeah, and then it was also additional safety and res- a sign of respect. Right. Now, I don't know why Dev went. Will Will used to be part of CRM. You'd think he'd know how to get there or just tell him, go in that direction. Exactly. So he gives him the gun, and just as he gives him the gun, he gets shot and killed by CRM guards, and Will oh. runs off. Will had blood all over his face. I was like, oh! <gasps> <gasps> okay, so we are we are now one episode away on World Beyond, uh, and then there's a second episode that's an advanced episode. So there are oh. two episodes out we haven't watched. The one that aired Sunday the 7th, and the one that's now available a week early. Okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll do at least one next week. Is we're, that fair? We're caught up for this week, yeah. Are we? We are. Are we ever really caught up? Never. Yeah, so much work <laughs> to provide a this, thick episode it is a for the thick, people. A thick episode for with the extra people. Whipped cream for extra the thick, extra, 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 extra. <laughs> okay, let's take a, a, a quick break here. Uh, I'll play a Pollyanna Macintosh ID because oh, yes. it makes sense here. Woo! I love and that uh, we'll be right back after this. Hi, this is Pollyanna McIntosh, Jadis on The Walking Dead, and you're listening to David Brody and Jamie on the Walkers and Talkers podcast. I listen to them on the Up Up Up. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Okay. It's time to talk about two episodes of Fear the Walking Dead. Okay. Do you need a snack break? Oh, maybe like a drink of water or something. Just like stretch it out. (laughs) Great. All right. Fear. Let's talk about the episode we didn't do last week because uh, Jamie hates you people. (laughs) No. (laughs) Just kidding. I love you guys. I want to give a special shout out to... uh, the most recent person who bought a Walkers and Talkers shirt. Yes. I told you if you uh, bought our merchandise, if I didn't tell you, I'm telling you the first time. I thought I told you. If you buy our Walkers and Talkers shirt at brooklynboys.bigcartel.com, that's brooklynboys.bigcartel.com. And you post a picture on your social media and tag us, we will repost it, retweet it, re-Instagram yeah, it. We do. So uh, my favorite name of the month, our listener, Charmin Hetherington- Todd. Whoa, that's some name. It is. I told her it sounds like she has a yacht. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, my, it's, a, it's a fantastic name. That's uh, a yacht she name. Bought our Walkers and Talkers shirt, put a picture of herself up holding it, and we reposted it on all of our Instagrams. Thank and, you. So thank you very much. I think we have a couple a couple left, and then we have to start the uh, the 12 again. But we sold, we sold a lot of them. So thank you, everyone, who, who bought a Walkers and Talkers shirt. Yes, thank you, guys. I wore mine on the uh, Elvis Duran 15-Minute Morning Show. So uh, I'm representing. I represented. But anyway, <laughs> let's, get, let's get to the fear episode. Okay. So the episode is all about John Sr. and June living in an underground bunker, Teddy's bunker. Remember at the end of last season, they climbed down into a bunker hole that just happened to be there? Just happened to be there. They happened to step exactly on Exactly where they were standing. They Very climbed convenient. into the bunker. Right. I guess I guess Teddy was going to run into the bunker, but he wanted to see the world end. So was he not going to run into the bunker or was he going to watch the warheads land and then run into the bunker? I think he was going to watch and then run in. So they're counting off the days on a chalkboard. They've been down there almost 70 days. And I think the plan is they're going to be down there for a year. So that's when the air will be safe enough to come up. They have plenty of food and water and coffee and alcohol and a working radio that they power with a with a bicycle. Like they used to do on the old show Gilligan's Island. <laughs> yeah. John calls on the radio every day for help and no one answers. Uh, every morning he wakes up, the ceiling is a little more corroded. You don't know if it's going to last the whole year. Spoiler, it doesn't. There's some kind of earthquake, or they think it's an earthquake, and a shelf falls 
and they find look yeah, coincidence they find a hidden room where Teddy did all the killing of the women. Oh. So not only is this bunker in the middle of nowhere, right? This bunker is in the middle. Uh, they were in like a, a deserted area of Texas. There was nothing around. This is the bunker where allegedly Teddy took all 23 of his women and killed them. And then this drove them back to wherever he dumped the bodies. Torture chamber. John says, you know, we never found the 23rd victim, Cindy Hawkins. So right, right away, you know, up. Oh, I guarantee they're going to find Cindy Hawkins. Oh, absolutely. June is using a pamphlet to teach herself how to make radiation suits. John's hand is shaking because he finds out that when the shelf fell, the alcohol was smashed along with some other food. So he doesn't have any alcohol. So he's going into the DTs, the detox. The detox. He's freaking out. The detox. The DTs. He's got got no alcohol left because that was on the shelf. Conveniently, that also revealed the secret room. He can't sleep. He's completely obsessed with the murder room. Right, because of all the places in the world that they went underground for <laughs> nuclear missiles going off. He ends up in the murder room. In the murder room that he spent, like, what, 20 years looking for? He Half his life and left his family to find it. To find Teddy and the murder room, it all comes full circle. John hears a noise at the top of the steps where the latch is. He decides while June is sleeping to put the hazmat suit on and the gas mask uh, and... Uh, he starts imagining he hears voices. Now he thinks he hears Cindy Hawkins up, up at the top. So isn't it funny that he goes through the hallucinations at the same time as he's reminded he wants to find this woman? They made it a point to say that they couldn't just open up the airlock at the top because then the radiation would come in and there's no way to like... It wasn't like there was one latch and you went into the second latch, opened another latch. There was no like decompression radiation chamber. No, it just gets sucked right in. So he just opens up the latch at the top and he ignores all of that and he leaves the latch open to go walk around. My God. He didn't close the latch behind him. (laughs) What? what? They're dead man walking. He finds a skeleton of Teddy because you remember Teddy was shot and then the nuclear blast hit him. Yep. And a burnt walker laying on the ground crawling. Ooh, and it's Dakota. She finds he finds Dakota's knife and he kills Dakota. Well, he kills the walker, Dakota. Now he's hallucinating. He sees Cindy Hawkins, but it's a walker. Then June shoots the walker and yells at him like, hey, old man, get inside. And then off in the distance, the three men that were banging before, they have hazmat suits and they're in the distance. They see all this go on, but they don't rush him. John tells June he heard a voice and he saw her and she's looking at him like he's insane. Because he is, pretty much. He's, she realizes he has a drinking problem, and at this point, his hands are really shaking badly, right? The so disease. she tells him he's going to get night sweats and probably hallucinate even more while he's trying to come down from not drinking. Meanwhile, the three guys are trying to break in, and they call him on the radio, and they tell him, you better open the door. We're going to huff and puff and blow your house in. <laughs> blow your bunker in. So he goes into the kill room, and he's imagining Cindy laying on the operating table. And then he's imagining she's telling him to solve the crime. And then June walks in and he pulls the gun on June. Because oh he's out God, of his mind. he could have killed her. Right. June has medication and suggests that he takes some of the medication to knock himself out for a few days. And this way, the alcohol will take its course and he'll wake up and miss the bad part. Hell, that's what I would do. Right. Sleep through that shit. But now, again, all coincidence bullshit. This is the wrong time to do that 
because there's three guys trying to break in. Yeah, that would be bad. John is completely freaking out at this point. And June boarded up the murder room while he was not around. I don't know how she had time to do that. And he tries to open it, and he's freaking out. And while he's freaking out, pulling these boards off the wall, June stabs him in the arm with the medication to calm him down. But of course, he was pulling on the wall, and the ceiling collapses on them because, you know, the guy's upstairs is still hammering, he's pulling at the wall, and June is knocked unconscious, and she's trapped under under the wood planks. And her leg's trapped, she can't get right. out. John figures out, by looking at maps, that there's an empty lot near her boyfriend's house, and he tells June, I want to go upstairs because he realizes she lied about the safety upstairs, that it wasn't as bad as she said it was because those three guys are surviving, and if those three guys are surviving, then people can survive up there, and he trusted June that they couldn't go up there. Right? He's like, I thought we couldn't go up there. Those men are fine. She said, I just made it up, basically. She yeah, was scared because to I, death to go up there. I was scared. I didn't want to go back up there, so I, I just said that it was really bad up there. And so she says to him, either those men are going to kill you or the dead are going to kill you, but you shouldn't go up there. And he says, I don't care. I'm already living six feet under. Yeah, but you're living six feet under. Like, you're making a comparison, but you're not dead. No, not even close. So, of course, he goes up anyway, not listening to her. And those men are gone, right? The moment he opens the gate, they're gone. Even though they were just up there banging, demanding he open the, the, uh, the hatch. <laughs> He's wearing a gas mask. It looks like you're looking through little binocular holes. So his yeah. vision's not very good. No peripheral vision. It would seem obvious that the men could sneak up on him and beat him up because his hands are shaking and he could barely see in front of him. He would be such an easy target. Okay, now he takes out the map because he's going to go find the yard next to her boyfriend's house to dig up the body. My God, it's been like 30 years. Come Let, on let's now. think about this for a minute. It's been many, 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 many years. Nuclear weapons have gone off and leveled everything. There's no streets left. You're in the middle of nowhere. You have no transportation and no shovel. But you are going to somehow, with the map, find streets that are destroyed and find a lot next to all the other lots where the houses are gone and now there's just lots there. And then dig up an entire lot looking for bones (laughs) that are there from 30 years ago. It was the DTs. He wasn't thinking straight. Right, but but June didn't say to him, like, you you did... uh, This is crazy. Meanwhile, he left June pinned under the beam. Not thinking. John sees the three guys now trying to dig a hole. I guess they're going to try to dig a hole into the bunker? What would be the point of that? Obviously, it's a bunker. It's not like dirt you're going to... It's a sealed bunker. And once you dig a hole into it, it's no longer safe. Exactly. So I don't understand what they're trying to do. Then suddenly, they're back trying to open the latch. And they didn't see him. He's wandering around aimlessly, but they didn't see him. So he starts shooting them, even though his hands are shaking, and he can barely see out the holes of his mask. I don't know how you have any aim with that mask, so you can't see shit. <laughs> they somehow miss him. He shoots two of them, and the third one climbs down into the bunker. Oh, uh, yeah. He starts hallucinating again. He, he thinks that all the walkers are women. That, the victims. Uh, the victims. But then he snaps out of it and kills all of them. Meanwhile, the guy's already downstairs, about to shoot June. Now, you're the guy, in, you're down there in the bunker, right? You know that the guy up, up on the top, John, it just shot your buddies. 
he didn't close the latch behind him? You would think he would. I mean, Jesus. You know the guy's got a gun, right? He's going to come down there. Hello. Right. Why wouldn't you lock the latch from inside the same way you were locked out? Why didn't you lock it? Because bad writing. (laughs) Now you're alone in a bunker with a beautiful woman who's trapped (laughs) under a beam. And your first instinct. Damsel in distress. No, but your first instinct is to shoot her. Yeah. I, I, I'm i not going to suggest anything awful or perverted or offensive. I'm not going to do that. But wouldn't you want to try to make friends with her? Or maybe, you know, ask her where, like, the valuables are. Rescue or talk her, to her, her, something. Maybe endear yourself to her so she falls in love with you. Make nice. Make nice. You have no reason to kill her. You don't know her. You, you don't know me. You don't know me, <laughs> you know. So, of course, before he can shoot her, John shoots the guy at the last moment. And he frees June, and another beam falls, conveniently revealing Cindy in the wall. Really? Duh. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, really. So the first earthquake reveals the murder room, and then the next collapsing roof opens up the wall exactly where the body's been buried for 30 years. Convenience burial bullshit. Thank you. Thank you for calling that. <laughs> so as they try to climb up the staircase to get out, Everything collapses on them. So you figure they're dead, right? Well, yeah, that's a lot of dirt. I mean, shit. How do you get out of there? They wake up in beautiful beds and what looks like a hospital room. June tells him he's been out for a while, but that he saved her by forcing her to try to go up and having a hazmat suit on. Had they stayed, they would have been killed. She says, we were saved by someone who heard our calls on the radio. And of course, Strand walks in. Now, I don't remember them calling on the radio, giving their coordinates. So I don't know how Strand knew where they were. Or that Strand knew to go on that day to help them when they've been calling for help every day. And now they're being helped. <laughs> on the day of the collapse yeah. is when Strand's people show up. When to they're go, in dire straits. To go down in a hole filled with dirt. They would have had to dig 30 feet, 20 feet, whatever the yeah, hole was. Whatever deep. the ladder was. To find them in their hazmat suits. Yep. Oh, man. John <laughs> oh, says he has no interest up. in joining. St- oh, I'm fired up. He says he has no interest in joining Strand after what he did to Morgan in the submarine. And Strand says, I did what I did, but I'm here and he's out there. He says he hopes that John's incredible detective skills that he's heard so much about will help them figure out together who those people are outside that are trying to kill them and are stripping the walkers. He offers John a drink and John turns it down, which is surprising because Strand is aware that he's been sleeping for two days and that he was sleeping off the DTs. You know June must have told him, look, I medicated the guy because he has a drinking problem. But Strand likes to mind fuck you and, you know, manipulate you and pull the strings. Right, so the first thing Strand does is like, oh, would you like a drink? Would you like temptation in a glass, And of course, John, John, thankfully, says, no. No, I do not. I'm off the sauce. Yeah, so then Strand leaves and John says, I want to leave. And June shows him the window outside and says, look. There's a horde of walkers outside. We can't leave. There's nowhere we can go. Cut back to the hatch. Somehow Morgan is there. Morgan heard them on the radio also. The same day. The same day. <laughs> Ugh, it, my head hurts from the bullshit. Painful head bullshit is what I'm getting right now. <laughs> Morgan shows up on the same day. Now, I don't remember them calling for help, but maybe they did. I, I don't know. Morgan, who is... Where was Morgan? Morgan was was at the submarine. Somehow Morgan went from the submarine and in whatever vehicle he had, 
found a hatch in the middle of nowhere. Covered. Covered, found the hatch, and calls them on the radio. Hey, I'm here to help. And of course, the other walkie, Strand has John and June's walkie. He must have taken it when they got there. And Strand's on the other side and says, Morgan is a loser and a failure. And that he, Strand, is going to rebuild the world the way Morgan couldn't. And he's going to save the people he feels worth saving. Morgan says, that's great. I want you to rebuild the world. But if I find out that's not what you're doing, if you hurt anybody I care about, I'm coming for you. And I won't miss the way you did on the submarine. Oh, threat. Now, I think we called walkie-talkie bullshit last week because in the walkie-talkie scene, Strand and Morgan are cutting each other off and you can't do that on walkies because... Exactly. I thought the same thing. I'm like, somebody has to let go of the button. If you and- watch the scene again, Morgan stops talking. Morgan did one of those, I swear to God, if you hurt anybody. And, and then Strand talks as if he knew Morgan was going to do a half sentence. They didn't actually interrupt each other. They did half sentences. So I have to take back walkie bullshit. So I apologize. <laughs> but it looked like it might have been walkie bullshit. Uh, there's a little bit, I think, in there. All right. Let's, uh, let's take a break here. I need to catch my breath. Jamie, you need to um, get some more whipped cream. Thanks for creaming. We'll be right back after this. Hey, this is Seth Gilliam. I play Father Gabriel on The Walking Dead, and you're listening to Walkers and Talkers with David Brody and Jamie. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. All right, it's the home stretch, Jamie. Oh, we got this. We got this. The fourth episode of this thick, Woo! thick, thick, thick episode. Extra thick. That, that we promised everybody. Extra thick. It's not only, and it's also long. It's, <laughs> it's long and thick. This is a girthy episode. Yeah, extra whipped cream. Extra whipped cream. Okay, breathe with me, which is what we both need Ooh. to do because I'm almost out of breath. It was the name of the yeah. episode. 
Sarah, remember her? She yeah. wakes up in a fancy room. Everyone's waking up in a fancy room these I was days. Say, that's a pretty swanky room she woke up in. She walks down a staircase towards a basement in this house made of stone. A walker comes through some kind of tarp wall. And before she can kill it, Al shoots it from uh, up in the rafters. And everyone is surprised that Sarah is awake and they all come running. Yay, Sarah is finally awake. Yay, she's awake after Apparently, two days. Apparently, she's been out cold for two days. No, she didn't get medicine from June. No, <laughs> she doesn't have a drinking problem. But we find out later that she banged her head on the harsh helicopter landing. Because the helicopter had to make an emergency landing. Why? Because it's the Walking Dead universe. And no mode of transportation will ever arrive at its destination. <laughs> no matter what you're in. So they, they, they breeze by it. They're like, oh, yeah, you hit your head on the, uh, well, oh, the helicopter the, landed. The, the thing. The only reason they knocked her out for two days was to take a breeze by the helicopter part, not show it, and then explain that the helicopter made an emergency landing without having to film it because it was during the pandemic. Exactly. Right? So now they can, they can tell the backstory by saying, oh, ra- rather than like having to like explain it to us, they can just go, oh, remember you banged your head during the hard landing? Yep. Because they, they weren't able to film it. It's cheaper this way. Oh, that was the only cheaper. reason they had her knocked way out for two days. Cheaper. The only reason. Plus, she could say after two days, "Where's Wendell? Why hasn't he? Why hasn't he been here?" Now, Wendell's been gone for months. Oh my God! Wendell yeah. never. Wendell was at one of allegedly one of Ginny's many locations, right? Yeah, we never saw him. Never saw him. Why? Because in real life, he's filming NCIS New Orleans. Yes. And he doesn't have time to film two shows, especially. During a pandemic. So nobody's seen Wendell. She's like, where's Wendell? Nobody's seen Wendell since we left the dam. Okay. So they all agree nobody's seen Wendell, but they found his baseball hat. Where, where did they find the baseball hat? Who the hell knows? They haven't seen him forever. I'm like, that's weird that they We went looking random. for him. At some point, when did they go looking for him? Uh, we never saw. But Right. But they found his hat. Yeah. Now, normally you'd think, oh, no big deal. They found his hat. That's a minor plot point. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's a major plot point because the rest of the episode doesn't happen if they don't find that hat. Exactly. Such. Okay. I'll explain what I mean by that in a minute. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Okay. So Sarah says, I'm going to go look for my brother immediately. And they say, you can't go out there. There's too much radiation. She says, you don't understand. I will look for that. I will look for him twice as hard as you did. And they're like, you you have to calm down. You, you you just can't go out there, you know. And she says, well, I'm going anyway. So she goes out as far as she can before the radiation is uh, around, and she's up on a hill and she's trying to call him on a walkie-talkie. The same way Rick tried to call Morgan, you know, like hey, out there every day. She's calling him, calling him, no answer, no answer, no answer. We do we have any idea how far the helicopter flew? Because. The Not way everybody keeps clue. showing up, you would I knew think you would think it was ten feet. You would you would think it hopped away like a quarter mile and landed. Yeah. What they said was it 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 was it fell a little bit short of its destination. Wasn't the destination CRM? Or was the de- destination outside the blast zone? I think outside the blast zone. So they obviously haven't gone very far, but who knows how far Wendell got in his wheelchair, unless he got into a vehicle. But at some point, Morgan answers on the walkie. 
How is anyone charging walkie-talkies? I keep thinking that. They keep having them ready to go, especially Morgan. Is he charging them on the submarine? Because I understand that. But then how are the helicopter people charging the walkies? In the helicopter? Anyway, they talk just long enough for her to tell him where they are, but then she tries to warn him about a warhead that's leaking radiation, and of course, the walkie dies, and he doesn't hear that part. Ooh, now the walkie dies. She sees a dog in an SUV from a distance and goes to say hi. Of course, it's the bounty hunter's twin brother. Now, the bounty hunter, right, Rufus, right. The bounty hunter, his brother, was looking for Morgan. Morgan was in the ghost town, right? The western town. Yep. Shot him with his bulletproof armor. He fell down and Morgan drove off. So if you're such a great tracker, you would have followed the wheel marks and gone to Morgan. But instead, this great tracker ends up on a road somewhere near where the helicopter landed. Oh, boy. In a different direction. Miraculously. (laughs) She goes in the front seat of the car, not realizing it must be somebody's car. And she sees the box that says Morgan Jones on top of it and the bounty hunter's brother's head in it. And he shows up. His name is uh, Josiah, we find out. And holds her at gunpoint. I, I, don't, I still don't know how the hell he's anywhere near the helicopter. She Me asks either. him why the hell his brother's head's in a box. I got his head in a box. <laughs> with, with my friend's name on it. And he says because his head, his head was supposed to be in it. So now this guy's a killer, right? You've now told him that Morgan Jones is your friend. So he says, I want to know where Morgan is. And she says, I don't rat out my friends. And you're going to have to shoot me. What, couldn't you have just... She, first she says, I don't know where he is. Right? And then he's like, I heard you on the walkie-talkie. You dumbass. Yeah, I know. She says, well, I don't rat out my friends. You're going to have to shoot me. Now she's willing to die for Morgan. Right? Willing to die for Morgan. It's a big leap. And he says, I'm the only hope you have of finding your brother. And she says, how do you know about my brother? And he says, I heard you talking on the walkie every day. You've been asking for your brother. I heard you talking to Morgan. Now, where is the Pennsylvania? Because Morgan said, I'm in the Pennsylvania, which is the hotel. I mean, uh, the, uh, the uh, submarine, right? The, yeah. the SS, Pen- the, uh, the, uh, right, the nuclear submarine, Pennsylvania. Yeah. He says, I'm a tracker and I can find my brother so I can find your brother. He says, you tell me where Morgan is. I'll help you find your brother. Set up a meeting at such and such place, he tells her where. And if Morgan shows up, I'll kill him, but I'll help you find your brother. Oh, boy. I said, how the hell are you going to find a guy in a wheelchair who's been missing for months prior to multiple nuclear explosions? But you're going to find him. There's no scent. How can there be a scent after all these nuclear explosions? How do you know which direction he went, even if he's alive? He could have gone towards Padre. He could have gone any which direction. We don't know where he's been for, th- for two and a half months. Exactly. Not a clue. She agrees to the deal. A minute ago, she was going to die for Morgan. But now she's like, well, to save Wendell. All right. You can kill Morgan. So they That's go for bad. a ride. And he says, how do you know which, which direction we're going? And she says, it's the only direction I haven't looked for him. Really? 360 degrees. You went 359 of them. <laughs> you don't look for someone in four directions. If you count your northeasts and your southwests, etc. Yeah. And he wasn't in any of those. And when the bounty hunter shows up, you've only got one direction left. Now, how far did you go in every direction? The earth is round. Not very far, I don't think. Right. Wouldn't you, you, even if you went 10 miles in every direction, 
Wendell could be a hundred miles away. More. He says, my name's Josiah. And she says, I'm Sarah Rabinowitz. Listen, I've known my share of Sarah Rabinowitz's in my time. She's no Sarah Rabinowitz. Yeah, That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Not getting the impression she's Sarah Rabinowitz. Take that as it will. I'm, I'm Jewish. So I'm saying she's not very Sarah Rabinowitz-ish. Although in real life, I think she's Jewish. So maybe that's... She says, Wendell's been missing for 78 days. By the way, where's the rabbi? Oh, yeah, where is he? Didn't they say he was off looking for something? What was he looking for? Didn't they say Jacob's off looking for something? I think that's how they kept him from being in the episode. Okay. They, they, they're like, oh, Jacob, because right, he's Rabbi Jacob, right? They say, oh, Jacob is off uh, uh, looking for supplies or something. Getting firewood. Yeah, that's how they keep writing people out. Oh, he'll be right back. So here's where the bullshit comes in. He decides, in the, again, we don't know where they are in relation to Wendell, right? They could be anywhere. They take out the hat, Wendell's hat, that she just got. They just found the hat. And they use the hat for the dog to find Wendell's scent. Are you kidding me? <laughs> the hat you just found that luckily you have, so the dog you just met, who happens to be a bloodhound, can track your brother. All in the same day. He goes running off into the great beyond, and Josiah makes the two of them bury the two walkers. They, they just killed two walkers, by the way. And they have to kill the two walkers because Josiah says everything deserves a proper burial, and Sarah says we'd cover a lot more ground if we weren't burying all these things. And how come you didn't bury your brother if you give a shit about burying everything? And he says, I made a promise to my brother I wouldn't bury him until I finished the job, meaning killing Morgan. Uh, spoiler, you should have buried the head. Uh, oh, God, I don't want to talk so about So she it. says, you're crazy and a killer. And he says, I'm crazy. I'm crazy. I offered you a trade, your brother for Morgan, and you took it. <laughs> she says, what makes you think you can do what your brother couldn't, right? You didn't, he couldn't kill Morgan. And he says, I've been through a lot. And she says, you don't know anything about Morgan. You have no clue. He's a short little old British guy. He's going to kick your ass. <laughs> He's going to kick your ass. <laughs> the dog starts barking, and they, they run down to see where the dog is, and he's, he's with some guy who's wearing like nine layers of clothing and a gas mask and a truck full of naked walkers. He says, I don't want any trouble. I'm just supposed to spread these walkers around. So he's obviously part of the group that strips the walkers. Oh, yeah. Right, the bad guys they're looking for? Yep. So Josiah says, why would the dog bark? If you're the only one here that's alive and they look at all the walkers, none of them are, are, um, are Wendell. Yep. And none have clothes on. Right. So Josiah tells the guy to strip down because obviously something is on him that has Wendell's scent on it. Yep. The odds of all of these bad guys. <laughs> he's the one. He is the guy. Of this army of bad guys that's there a hundred yards away. From where Sarah runs into the bounty hunter in the middle of a post-zombie nuclear apocalypse a where a apocalypse. helicopter randomly crash-landed. So he says, take off your clothes. So the guy starts stripping and he takes off like 10 layers of clothing, lots of underwear, shirts, sweaters, whatever. The dog starts sniffing the jacket and Josiah reaches in the pocket and it's a red do-rag. Sarah confirms it's Wendell's. I, in capital letters, wrote bullshit. <laughs> bullshit. This may be the most bullshittiest bullshit in I don't know how many episodes. And we, you and I are professional bullshit callers. We are, but this is a big bad one. I, the odds, I can't. I Astronomical, I tell you. Here's what I wrote on my notes. 
This random guy is driving around randomly on a random day and happens to be in an area near where the helicopter crash landed and where she randomly went to look at the exact same day she saw the bounty hunter in a vehicle with a dog of all the days she was up on the mountaintop calling him. (laughs) And he happens to have, of all the clothing, out of the thousands of bodies he's stripped, a do-rag handkerchief from Wendell. Uh, yep. He, they say to him, take us to where you found the rag. As if he's going to remember where he found the rag. But he remembers. They go back to a stable, and she looks at, I don't know, ten. There's, there's got to be a thousand walkers there. She looks at one pen of ten of them and goes, Matt, my brother's not here. He's not here. I know. I was like, that was a quick glance, honey. You didn't even check the corners. Now, I have a question. If, if you can't walk in real life, you can't walk as a walker. No. Right? You can't. Definitely definitely not. So why is she looking at walkers that are standing up? Exactly. Wouldn't you like just bend down and look for a crawling walker? And wouldn't he remember a handicapped walker? It would be hard to forget. So she looks around, doesn't see him, and then sees his wheelchair covered in blood and asks where he is. Where is my brother? Foolishly, he says, you mean that skin bag that crawled away from here? I have no idea there must have been a different handicapped person in the chair, right? Because we know it's not Wendell. We know Wendell is most likely alive mm-hmm. or we have to see him dead. We have to see him as a walker. Yeah, but that's what I was going to say. We have to see him. What, this, these two people want to kill you and you refer to her beloved brother as a skin bag. Yikes. Uh, so Sarah goes to stab him and he opens up one of the corrals and walkers flood the area and he runs off. Sarah gets in the SUV. Morgan calls at the exact time she gets in the SUV. And she doesn't answer. He's yelling, what's going on? What's this about? What's wrong? Why why did you want to have a meetup? Yeah. She doesn't answer him. And she's sitting there when she could have driven off. She waits long enough for Josiah to run to the SUV. And then she decides to drive off. Then she peels out. Like, what the hell? But she doesn't lock the doors. So, of course, he opens the door and jumps in. No one locks the hatch. No one locks the doors. No one locks the door. She tries to push him out of the moving vehicle because she says, my brother is dead. Our deal is over. Naturally, he's a giant man. She can't push him out of the car. So she, she t- tries to do a Thelma and Louise and drives off a random cliff into a flat area, but somehow lands where there's rocks now on both sides of the car and they can't open the window. Of course they not. Can't open the doors, rather. Because this is what happens. You don't make it to your destination. Yeah. The back of the truck is, the SUV is sticking up and there's walkers banging on the back window. The front window, her window, Sarah's window, has a giant piece missing in the window. The rest of the window is completely like crystallized and shattered, but still intact. Okay. He wakes up because he was dazed for a minute. She wakes up. Her face was slammed against the steering wheel. The airbags don't go off. But her face isn't damaged at all, even though she drove off a cliff, landed nose first. Her face landed on the steering wheel, but she's fine. I was surprised her nose didn't go through her brain with that kind of impact. Yeah, so she's fine. It was like they hit a deer or something, which <laughs> could also kill you. But it's like they hit a little bump. They hit a bush. She tries to kill the two of them. Some, like, I don't know what her plan was. I don't know what her plan was at all, driving off the cliff. Right? She's nothing to live for. Nothing to live for, and she doesn't care if he dies. She almost kills him, right? He's like, hey, how's it going? She's fine. She's, 
he he's not mad at her. He How is no he not mad at her? Hardly. He's like, no, well, he wasn't like, what the hell was that? She looks out the window of a random cliff she drove off of. Random. The window is crystallized. Normally, you wouldn't be able to see out a crystallized window. But guess what? The part by her head is missing, so she can clearly look out the window. There's no walkers there, even though there's a window open. But get what does she see out the window? That she wouldn't have been able to see if the window wasn't missing a piece. The warhead. The warhead that is randomly somewhere is right outside her car. Of course it is. <laughs> warhead bullshit. <laughs> Seriously? So she has I a mean, panic right attack. There? Yeah. She has a, starting having a panic attack because her brother's dead. She almost killed herself in a car crash, sort of. And there's a warhead right outside the vehicle. Why does she care? She tried to kill herself. Why is she upset about a warhead? That's what she wanted. Now she's having a panic attack. And, and Josiah is not mad at her. He calms her down. He tells her a story. He says, I want you to call Morgan. Have him come rescue us. How would Morgan find where they are? How the... We're on a random cliff. We drove off a cliff. Yep. He, so he tells her a story that he used to work in search and rescue. He was a good guy. And um, his brother needed to be rescued once. And his brother told him he could feel his heartbeat across the forest. That he knew his brother was okay. But then when his brother died, he knew it because he felt his own heart stop for a second. And um. that Sarah wouldn't be looking for her own twin brother unless she knew he was alive. He says, we can still find him. Call Morgan. So she calls Morgan. Now, we've always questioned whether or not they're twins. Look, you can have mixed parents and you can be fraternal twins, right? Yes. Where you're not identical twins and you come from two different eggs. So it is possible that he could be black and she could be white. Not likely, but possible. Yeah. We find out that's all bullshit later on in the episode as far as the story. So she would not have sensed him technically, but all right. So she calls Morgan. At this point, he says, it's time to get out of here. It's now or never, even though Morgan's on the way, uh, you know, hopefully. So he goes out and starts killing walkers. And then Morgan shows up. Did he teleport there? Seriously, all of a sudden he's just there. I'm like, uh, how? At least show me the car. <laughs> show, show me the me, car facts. Show me, how, show, me the car facts. <laughs> show me how your ass got there. So you- it's like, oh, I called Morgan. He shows up at the hatch. He shows up at the... At the ditch? How did he get down in the ditch? How did he know the driving directions to get down in the ditch? How did he know the car was so buried down there? I don't know. Did he see? It didn't explode. There was no smoke. There was no flames. Unfreaking believable. Anyway, no one has reliable transportation, but he does. He must have taken a helicopter. Morgan kills a walker and tells the guy, wait a minute. I killed you. I cut your head off. You don't know the situation. You do know that's not the guy you killed. You, you're not smart enough to figure out that must be his twin brother. But now you've just admitted you killed his brother. Now, he knew it, but he didn't know he knew it. Right? And he, he very much admitted to it. I killed your brother. I cut your head off. Sometime in the car, by the way, Sarah says to Josiah, I know you're not going to kill Morgan, but you're still going to help me find my brother. And he says, how do you know that? She goes, I know you're not a killer. I know you're not. Really? You know him for how long? He told you some story about being a search and rescue guy. And now you know he's not a killer. And then later they make it a point where I'm going to jump ahead. He says, my brother wasn't always like this, right? We used to be good people. And Morgan says, we all used to be good people. None of us were like this. Yeah, this is not how we all were. So if Emil, his brother, could turn into a bounty hunting killer, 
then why wouldn't Josiah turn into a bounty hunting killer? He's on his path. No, but Sarah knows him. Sarah knows in her heart. Oh, you're, yeah. you're not a All killer. Of 20 minutes you've known you him. You yelled, he's crazy, he's a killer. Now you're like, you're not a killer. So the two of them are going at it, trying to kill each other. But if you notice, shortly before Morgan showed up to run away from the walkers, Sarah jumped on the roof of the SUV. And the, walker, the, the SUV is now surrounded by walkers. Why is this important? Because now she can't break the fight up. Exactly. Now she's written out of the scene, and all she can do is yell, you're not a killer! <laughs> oh my God. Josiah pins Morgan to the ground. Why? Because he's a football player. He's a giant, muscular man. He's huge. And keep in mind, Morgan beat up his twin brother when he had one arm working and an infected wound in his chest. So now he throws him off. Now, look, if you guys know martial arts, you can tell me leverage and the stick and all that. He threw a giant man off of him. I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay. And Morgan doesn't move. He stays on the ground, even though he's now thrown him off. Josiah says, I'm not a killer. I'm not going to kill him. My brother is. And he goes to get the head out of the box. The head must have flown out of the SUV perfectly in the box, right? Yep. Somehow, even though there's no open windows, it flew out of the SUV. I didn't notice if the windshield was cracked, by the way. If the windshield was gone, I didn't notice. So maybe it was. But the box jumped off the seat, flew out, and landed perfectly on the ground. So he gets the head, and the point of the head is to bring it over to Morgan and have his brother bite Morgan. Uh, Even though, you're not a killer! He clearly is going to try to kill him. Yeah, he was going to certainly try. So, a fight ensues, right? Because Morgan, Morgan throws him off. This is where Morgan throws him off. He manages to throw him off with the head in his hand. And as he throws him, he drops the head of his brother. Oh. The dog, which we learned earlier was a cadaver dog, which is why it's so good at hunting dead things yeah. and dead bodies and finding bodies in the woods, of course runs to the, the dead body. Remember he licked the guy's face when uh, he killed him after he ate the beans in the first episode last season? Oh, yeah. Right? He cut his head off and he licked his face. Well, that guy, remember, hadn't turned into a walker yet. Yeah. So he was able to lick his face. The dog comes over to lick Emil's face and it bites the dog. Which is terrible. I'm so now the dog's going to die. I cried. Josiah breaks down in tears. What have I done? What have I done? Anyway, he feeds him beans with Tabasco sauce. Oh. His secret recipe. Somehow he's got a can of beans <laughs> and a bottle of Tabasco sauce. Open can of beans. Ready to go. Ready to go to feed the dog. Right. Morgan comes over and apologizes for the loss of the dog. And Josiah apologizes and says, it's my fault. And he says, the whole time I thought it was about a meal, but it was about me not wanting to let my brother go. Let my brother go. (laughs) Sarah tells a story about when she was born prematurely, she couldn't breathe. But every time they put her next to the other baby born that day, Wendell, she was able to breathe. She says, Wendell taught me to breathe. Uh, Okay, that's not what happened. She says, "Every every moment he's not with her brother, she feels like she can't catch her breath. Well, she was fine when she was yelling at everybody to find my brother. Yeah, she was. She's yelling at she was fine. Now, they didn't explain how she and Wendell grew up together. Were they neighbors? And they became best friends? I think Did... she said her mother died. So Wendell's family so I, raised her? I think they, that Wendell Sinley took her in. So they're only twins by the fact they were born the same day in the same hospital. 
Yes, and that they grew up together, basically. Right. From so now we find birth. out it's all been a lie. Yeah, they're not actually. Yeah, they bury the dog. Thankfully, we didn't have to watch him shoot the dog because he oh, was going to shoot God. the dog. No, I did not want to see that. Jos- this is where Josiah apologizes for what his brother did and says he wasn't always like that, which I find hard to believe, by the way. Uh, Emil wasn't just some guy like trying to survive. He was beheading people professionally. He was crazy. Morgan says without his chair, meaning Wendell, he would have needed someone to help him. Well, why couldn't he have found another chair? There's more than one chair in a zombie apocalypse. There must be wheelchairs all over the place. And how many times was Wendell in the truck? He didn't need help. But he says, someone must have helped him. Maybe Victor found them and helped them. Now, we don't even know where he was. Wasn't he in one of the, um, he was in one of the communities? Is that it? Was one of Ginny's communities the dam? Did she have a dam? I don't remember. She had so many. Yeah. Now they figure maybe Victor has them at the tower. Josiah says, would it be okay if I go with you? So, okay. Now he wants to befriend them and stay with them. Okay? Of course. He doesn't care about Wendell. His dog's dead. His brother's dog's dead. And he's a loner, right? Somehow he survived the zombie apocalypse as a loner, not with his brother. And he wants to go with them. Okay, fine. You want to go with them. You're welcome to the show. You're now a regular on the show. Welcome to the show. Two seconds later, they teleport and they're outside Victor's office building. That was fast. Can you explain to me how Morgan knew where the office building was? No clue. No clue. None of those people had been to the office building. None of them. And Victor never said it on the radio where it was. Again, they never show a vehicle. And somehow they're over by Victor's office building. Yep. A few seconds later, they're surrounded by Howard. Now, it's Howard's apartment, right? It was Howard's place to begin with. They built an army, right? Why is Howard out at the sub by, with, a, with a task force? Why is Howard out now? He's a little wimpy guy in an apartment building. Why is he the guy now? He got tough all of a sudden. I don't you know, know what, what happened they're try- there. They're trying to save on actors, so they're reusing the same actors. Oh. That's got to be what it is. So he and a female soldier surround them. And of course, Strand shows up and says, we saw you guys coming from a mile away. How did they get out of the place with all those walkers? There must be a secret exit. There must be. I thought the same thing. I thought, how did you get up here with that whole wall of walkers? Right. Did you go out the back? And if there's a back, did anyone else get in the back? Uh Uh-huh. Sarah says, is Wendell there? Do you have Wendell? And he says, yes, and he's thriving. He has a real knack for supplies and logistics. And I thought to myself, you're full of shit. Wendell's not there. You just want her to feel bad. So then he says, you can't go in and see him. If you want, he can come out and see you, but then he can't come back in. Why? Because he's not there. Exit only. Yeah. Strand says, you, 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 you mentioned you almost died getting here, and it'll be just as hard getting back to wherever you have to go. Yikes. You can't come in. And he said, this is not a revolving door here. You leave, you leave. There's nothing else out there. Morgan and, and Grace and the baby are struggling. They have nothing. They're barely getting by. And Howard says, I saw it. I saw it. I saw the whole thing. He's right. Well, that's because you stole everything from them. But he didn't see the food in the floor. So Howard doesn't know what the food in the floor. No, that's right. He doesn't. And they have a lot of it. Sarah looks shocked and overwhelmed and now disillusioned that Morgan is poor. There was a nuclear blast. Like bombs went off. Yeah. What did you expect, honey? Oh, the dam. I just remembered the dam. Oh, what? Tell us. The dam is where the baby was born. 
the, the 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 dam. There was no water there, but it was. Remember the wall? They were living behind the dam wall. Oh yes. That dam wall. The dam wall. That's the last time they claimed to have seen Wendell. But I don't even remember seeing Wendell there. Do you remember seeing Wendell there? Uh, no. I think they mentioned Wendell was there, but we never actually saw him there because he hasn't been on the show. Now I remember the day. I didn't think of it as a dam, but it was a dam. The damn dam. Okay. So Sarah has a panic attack when Strand leaves and Josiah calms her down. So he's like her new sidekick. And then asks her and Morgan, thanks, thanks her and Morgan for what you've done for me. Right? But I'm going to go head off on my own. And Morgan says, you guys can both come back to the submarine. And he says, I was exposed to the warhead for too long. Really? What warhead? He was out there in the wilderness? Right? So he, I guess he says he was exposed. He says, you don't want a sick man coming back to wherever you live. Oh. And Sarah says, remember those pills that were mentioned earlier in the episode that David Brody didn't mention in this review? Oh, yes. I had those for Wendell, but he doesn't need them because he's safe, which we know he's not because Strand's a liar. So why don't you take these pills and you'll be fine. They'll fight off the radiation. So now you're thinking, okay, great. He wanted to join them. He has no excuse not to join them. He's like, well, I would come, but I have radiation. She's like, well, now you don't. He's like, ah, fuck. Now I have no excuses. Explicit. You know, like he's like, oh, I have have to go to the, pick up the mail. Oh, you got the mail. (laughs) Here it is. Right. Here it is. So now he's like, you know what? I need time to find myself. But he takes the pills anyway and leaves. Oh my now, God. What was the point of wanting to go with them if you wanted to leave? I, I don't understand that part. I was like, wait, you came with them all this way and now right. you're just going by. If the point of going was to show them where the office building was, then you should have said, I'm, I know where the office building is. That, and I'll help you. That would have explained why he was there, right? Or he just wanted to be able to get in there. Right, well, he wasn't going to get in, but he should have said something like, oh, I'll go with you, and I bet we can get in that office building. Yeah. Or if nothing else, I'll help you because you helped me. None of that. There must have been a scene they took out and didn't realize it. Morgan says the rest of the group is living too, the rest of uh, Sarah's group is living too close to the warhead. We need to bring them back to the submarine. So they flew on a helicopter to safety, but they landed where there happens to be a warhead and Morgan's going to take them back to an area where everything is orange so they can live in a submarine. Yep. And they don't have enough gas masks for everybody because they flew off in a helicopter. Cut to the freaks with the naked walkers. One of them says to another one, I found something. We need to show the leader. And he says, what is it? And he says, it's something that's going to get us exactly what we want. Well, I don't know what they want because we don't know why they're stripping people. No, we don't. Right? We don't know why they have clothing. No. But is it for some way to get to take over Morgan's building? I have no idea. Why the naked walkers? We have to figure. Someone has to. Eventually, I guess they're going to explain that. Yeah, they well, I, unless they they're better. donating the clothing to Goodwill for the money. <laughs> I I, I'd sell it. I don't know. Anyway, the guy's got the warhead in the back of his cart thing, so he picked up a warhead. That's leaking. And he wasn't worried it would explode. He picked up a warhead. My God! How is he not dead? Scenes from next week. <laughs> Dwight and Sherry Dwight and Sherry are approached by two guys on, on horses wearing black. Strand says, it's a new world. Let me show you around or something like that. Aisha Tyler, we told you she was being added to the show. She's holed up in a house with a gun. Dwight tells the two people who he's been living in a, in a the storm shelter in the ground, uh, they're going to find Padre. So now they know what Padre is. 
Fantastic. Man, we, I want to know what Padre is. Someone with a gas mask on is walking in the middle of a herd of walkers. There's a place called the Grapple Chapel, which has a wrestling ring, and it looks like Dwight and Sherry are in the ring, and the ring is surrounded by walkers. It also looks like Sherry, in another scene, is walking away from Dwight. I'm leaving Again. You. Again. Then there's walkers outside Strand's building, and another scene where someone's putting a bag over Sherry's head. Then Sherry's pushing a walker or a bad guy. And then Dwight takes down a, uh, one of the walkers with a wrestling move in the wrestling ring. Are you kidding me? <laughs> He's wrestling them down That's, in a wrestling ring. That is the worst. Sorry. I, the, the two writers need to be fired and never allowed to write television shows again. <laughs> there was lots of good stuff in the two episodes. Yeah, but, but there was some things. Yeah. So much bullshit. Lots of BS. Oh, my God. I'm out of breath. We gave you thick. We gave we you gave long. You, we gave you whipped cream. And I'm worn out. I need, like, at least 20 minutes to recuperate. <laughs> Me too. Jamie. Yes. It's time. What time is it? Do we even have the strength to do this? <laughs> we better muster it up. <laughs> All right. Jamie, it's time. What time is it? It's time, time to, to shut, shut this, this shit down. down. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. L-A-S-I-K-LASIK.com Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K-LASIK.com this episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.